0: Thank you so much for having me with you tonight. It's a real privilege and an honor to be here to uh, minister with you, spend time with you as my church family um, in Belfast. It really is a privilege to be here because I have had the honor and privilege of kind of being part of this journey from before it even was a journey, really, Um, back whenever God was starting to really challenge Dave and call Dave in his heart and Marian along with him um, into ministry and into uh, planting this idea in their hearts about planting churches, about um, stepping forward into full-time ministry and I've just had the the privilege of journeying that with them Um, for some reason Dave thought I would be someone he would ask counsel of and I've prayed for you, and it's just, it really is so cool for me to be here tonight and stand kind of in the, the fulfillment of this dream and this vision and this plan that you guys have had. So thank you for, um, I hope you had a good holiday and your rest and relaxed. So, so look, I want to pray before we start, and then we're going to get stuck in. Father, I just want to thank you for your church. Father, I thank you that your church is your plan A for what you're doing in the world, and that you're entrusting us with this incredible message of the gospel, of an opportunity for, to reconcile with the God of the universe who loves us. So Father, I wanna just thank you that your church is not in one building, but your church is the same wherever we go, whether in Utenards or Belfast or wherever in this world. Where the name of Jesus is lifted high. We're church family. So, Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here. I would ask that you would help me speak your message, not me speak my message. And, Father, I would just ask that tonight you will speak into the hearts. May your spirit land. You know where people are at. You know what people need to hear. So I would ask by your spirit you will work in and through each one of us in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to start by asking us a question. Who do you fight with the most in your life? Who's the person or the people that you fight with? Actually, turn to the person beside you and share with them who the person you fight with. If it is the person you fight with, turn to someone behind you or in front of you. Okay, so obviously there's, there's some fighting. My wife pointed at me, so uh, I'm in the same boat as the rest of you. But yeah, maybe, maybe you find yourself fighting with people. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's not big fights, but maybe you have a pattern of bickering and disagreeing and arguing and, and fighting. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe you're in a season or a stage where your children, where there's just some issues around the relationships with your kids. Maybe your wider family, your in-laws, may I dare to suggest. Um, In work, even in church, we can find ourselves fighting. We can find ourselves in battle. Sometimes, actually, our biggest battles aren't with other people. Maybe our biggest battles sometimes are within ourselves. Maybe it's within our own minds. Maybe we battle with things like, I'm not blank enough whatever that would be i'm not i'm not thin enough i'm not smart enough i'm not tall enough i'm not handsome enough strong enough perfect enough i'm not a good enough christian whatever whatever that narrative or those things we all fight daily battles with people or sometimes with ourselves but if i was to ask you to the question in a different way and i said tell me about your enemy who who are your enemies for most of us in the church, our initial reaction or response to that would be, no, I don't actually, I don't have any enemies. I do fight with people, but they're, like, they're not my enemies. Because we're pretty sure that Jesus says that we're not to have, that we're to love our enemies, that we're, we're meant to live at peace with people, not have enemies. But today's text speaks directly to the fact and the point that the Apostle Paul would actually disagree with that. And he would say, we absolutely do have enemies. But it's who those enemies are. So we're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. If you have a Bible or your your little card, I think it's printed on the back. So it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, for all the Lord's people. You see, here we have the Apostle Paul, who's in prison. Paul is no, he is no stranger to battles and enemies and fighting and people coming against him. He's in prison and he's not quite sure what's his future hold. Whether execution, what, what is in front of him, he does not know. So he is no stranger to battles. He's no stranger, he has every reason to look around him and view a lot of people in his life as enemies. But I imagine Paul, who's, who's in prison, and he's, he's writing to this small church that he has planted in Ephesus, and he's writing to encourage them with instruction for them. And I can imagine him seeing the Roman guards that are standing in front of him, that are guarding him, and seeing that there they have this armor on, and then Paul thinks of this illustration and thinks, this is a great way to explain to my brothers and sisters in Ephesus how to stand strong, how to stand firm. And a couple of points, this, this passage, I'm sure if you've been in church for any time, you've heard this passage preached on over and over again. So I just want to draw our attention to a couple of points that I think are important to us tonight. And that's number one, we have an enemy. There is no doubt we have an enemy. Verses 10 to 12 say, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, simply put, are real battles the battle that we fight are not against people they are against the powers of evil that work in and through people and surround us in our culture I've got three three kids 21 19 and 17 my 19 year old is a boy and when Chris was a young lad he he just loved to be out playing in the street He loved he was very sociable he loved to be out kicking football and just whatever was going on during the summer he was out from first thing in the morning to late at night but as happens whenever you spend a lot of time out in the street over the summer first couple of weeks are fine of school holidays and after that everybody starts to get bored fed up with, with doing the normal things and then there are from time to time little fights and little battles start in the street so Cara was in the living room one day. I nearly said sitting in the living room. I'm sure she was working hard in the living room. Um, and uh, Chris, Chris came in through the front door. She heard the front door open, front door slam, and then she heard the little feet, boom, 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 up the stairs. Now usually that meant Chris was about three seconds away from his bladder exploding, because he had held on to the last second. But on this occasion, he didn't go to the toilet, he went straight into his room. And a few minutes later, she heard the feet starting to come down descend the stairs. So being the, the wise-switched-on mum that she is, she kind of, she went out to see what was going on. Now Chris had been out that day, it was a, it was a summer's day, one of the few warm ones. Um, but he had shorts and t-shirt on when he went out that morning. When he came down the stairs, he had um, a, a, foot, a coat on, he had put a hat on his head, he had football gloves on his hands, and he had his swimming goggles on his eyes, and Kara was like, "Ah, uh, you okay, son? And his little lip quivered as he said, mom, the, the, boys, the boys have fallen out with me, and they're picking on me. And Kara said to him, well, well why are you dressed like that? And he says, well, I put my goggles on because I don't want them to get my eyes, because he thought they were gonna fight with him. They were gonna attack him, and he wanted to protect his eyes. But you see, right from that young age, There is an an enemy. And I don't want to over-dramatize this, but there is an enemy, and it's so important that we get this, that wants a young lad at that age to start to believe that you can't can't trust people, you can't have friends, people want to hurt you, people want to damage you, and it starts building insecurities and starts building fear, and fear is from the enemy. And from that young age, so if you're a parent, I just want to take a sidestep and say, Please, please, please fight the right battles with your kids. Don't get involved in fighting against parent, other parents, other children, school teachers, systems. Yes, we have to show up and we have to represent them. We have to be there for them. But do the hard work of making sure that the belief system that they have is based on what God says about them, not what the person has said about them what the enemy is trying to speak to them and trying to to get into their spirit, or they will live from that. You see, Paul says it's not just people. There's there are spirits. It's a spiritual realm of this this dark world that we live in. You see, places that we go have spirits of oppression. You know, you know whether you walk into somewhere where you can feel this this feeling of oppression where. People aren't treated well. People aren't treated in the way Jesus would want us to treat them. Against when you go into somewhere where there's just this lovely light feeling. We've just had the privilege of building a new building for our church home. And the amount of people who say to me, just when I come into this building, there's just this, like, I just experienced this feeling of peace in a place. That's just a building. But it's a building where we fight hard to try and, deal and live with people God's way, try and love people God's way. This country that we live in, the environment that we live in here, there is a spirit of division in this country. I'm sure you guys in Belfast experience it even more than we get to experience it down in little country Newtonards. But there is a spirit of division and it is accommodated and, and made worse by the authorities. But we don't get mad at the authorities, Paul says. We get mad at the things that are causing mistrust and fear and uncertainty. Because division is the tactic of the enemy. Our generation has a spirit from the enemy, spirit of consumerism, individuality, this idea that I get to choose what is right and wrong for me, and you get to choose what is right and wrong for you, and we've just deleted God out of the equation. Again, this is, this is the tactic of the enemy that wants to ruin our society. And individually, the battles, the lies that we believe about our identity, that we battle with from day to day. You see, this is the reality that Paul is talking about. That he knows that the church in Ephesus and the church in Yutnard's and the church in Belfast are all living in the same environment where we have an enemy. And it is not flesh and blood, but it is all around us. Now that's pretty grim. Sounds pretty rubbish, doesn't it? But then Paul has some good news for us. And the second point is we have a defense against the enemy. We already have this defense available to us. You see, Paul illustrates our defense by this picture of armor, of putting on this armor. Now whenever I looked at this and researched and read, there's actually an interesting thing. A lot of scholars would say that um, in some of the modern translations, the tense in which we, we read this, in the, the translation that I've just read from the NIV, that the tense, they would say, is, is slightly out from the original Greek because they're saying, what they're saying is that the tense means, it's written in a tense that means that it happened in the past but continues to be applicable. Okay, so verse 14, for example, says, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And they would say that, actually, we're talking about, it should read, stand firm, having already put on and continuing to wear the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and feet fitted with the good news of peace. Now, why is this important? It's important because, It's important for us to know these are not new items that Paul's talking about. Truth, righteousness, peace. We don't have to go out and acquire these. We don't have to go out and get these. These are ours, and they've been ours because they were what God has done for us through Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and our adoption into his family. So these are things that we have available to us. They're God's grace in our daily lives. So the belt, the belt in the Roman armor, it undergirded everything. It was the centerpiece that everything else was kind of buckled into, connected to, to hold everything together. See, the truth, the belt of truth, truth is not a a set of correct doctrines, although doctrines are important. Truth is a person And that person's name is jesus he is the center of everything as believers that holds everything together jesus and his truth are the center of it all the truth about him protects us from the enemy's number one weapon he is the father of lies he comes to kill steal and destroy but the truth that works against the condemning thoughts the fear that consumes, the lies that come from the devil. We need to declare this truth that we already have and live in the truth of who Jesus is, who he is to us individually, what he has done on our behalf at the cross and who we are in Christ as a result of what he has done. The breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate sits over our major organs, protects our heart, the center of us. You see, righteousness means that we have a right standing with God. Again, this is not something that we have to go and earn. It's not something that we have to go and pursue. It's our reality as believers that we have a right standing with God, not because anything we have done or our worthiness, but again, because of Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. Then we come to the footwear. First, 15 says, I'm with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Do you know that footwear affects your ability to complete a task? You know, I, I didn't realize this probably until about a year ago. I, uh, I used to think footwear was pretty much for style and for comfort. That was the only point. I know you women are going, how stupid are you? But... Um, Kara would argue there's more shoes in my cupboard than there are in hers, to be fair, in our house. Um, But last year, I set out on a a new journey called uh, the community of CrossFit, and I stepped from my old training regime into the CrossFit community. And uh, in my old training regime, I had a pair of trainers that cost me a tenner because they were on sale. And I went to the gym every day in them, and they seemed grand. But when I turned up at CrossFit and started to to go to a different style of training, I started to notice all these guys turning up. Um, Guys and girls turned up with trainers on, and then they had a bag with them. And out of their bag would have come like another couple of pairs of trainers. And I was like, what? Is this? Like, Is everybody that vain? Um, But anyway, I started to ask questions and get to know some of the guys. And it turned out that whatever the aim of the workout was and whatever the, the... the kind of type of workout it was, it determined what pair of shoes they would wear. So there was a pair of shoes that was just for a normal t- type kind of circuit workout, which was pretty flat shoe, good grip, um, some little bits and bobs on them if you're doing rope climbs to give you extra grip and all this kind of stuff, but they were suited for that type of workout. There was speed trainers that you would wear if you were doing runs, and they were kind of contoured a bit more uh, differently for your feet, and. And uh, then there was lifters which have a high heel on them that position you in the proper kind of angle you would if you're doing Olympic weightlifting. Okay, so all of these trainers, and they all cost a fortune, all of these trainers were uh, all for specific. James Laurie is an incredible athlete, I have to say. Um, It doesn't matter what trainers he has on, he like wins everything, but there you go. Um, So yeah, we, your arch, the footwear that we have, is, is uh, that we're wearing, is very important in how we carry out the, the task that we're carrying out. So it's important for us to ask, what was the task, what was the point of what Paul was saying? Are we setting off here on some battle that we have to advance into? So do we need something to protect our fate from, from war? But verse 14 tells us, what the point of this is. It says, stand firm. This is about us standing firm under attack, under daily attack. So for standing firm, we need solid shoes. We need to make sure that we're standing on something really solid. So what does Paul say? He says, feet fitted, which is past tense, with the readiness that comes from the good news, or the gospel, of peace. You see, we stand on the unshakable fact that we are at peace with God, again based upon what Christ has achieved on the cross through his death, his resurrection. Colossians one nineteen to twenty says for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him who was Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, we are at peace with God. If we could only allow that truth to actually sink in and permeate to our core, the privilege, the reality of us being at peace with God, again, through Jesus' blood on the cross, and nothing, nothing can take away that peace. Paul himself talked about how nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. But no fear, no family breakdown, no divorce, no cancer, no test result, no government decision, no legislation passed, no comment from a school bully. Nothing can take away the peace that we have in God through Christ Jesus. Such a solid foundation, if that's where we live from. And then Paul says, As in addition to this, we then carry the shield of faith. And faith means to put your trust in, in something. So what do we put our trust in? Do we put our trust in something new? No, we put our trust in the fact that we have the truth in Jesus. That's our belt. That our hearts are protected by our right standing with God through Christ. And we stand firm on being peace, at peace with God. See, when we have, have the faith that these things are true, well then this, the, the passage says that we hold our faith up as a shield. And the attacks and the fiery darts that come at us from the enemy, they, they don't even penetrate, they just bounce off it. But whenever our faith starts to slip, if you've ever gone through a period where you've started to doubt, you've started to doubt whether you actually have got a right standing with God. Or is that sin that you've done, is that not forgivable? Did Jesus was that not enough what Jesus done for you on the cross? When you start to doubt these things and your faith starts to slip, well then these little arrows start to get in and they start to 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 cause dents and damage on the things that we have to protect us. And Paul talks in verse 17 about the last defensive piece that we have, the helmet of salvation. Daily we live in our identity based on our salvation. Again, not by our works, but it's through faith that we're saved. Nothing to do with us. And how we re- re- renew our minds, the helmet of salvation, re- we renew our minds as Paul talks about in Romans 12:2. Now How do we do this? Well, the one part of offensive weaponry that we do this through is through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our offensive weapon, but we don't use it to attack other people or beat other people with it because our point of all of this is that we're standing strong. See, the Greek word that is used in the word of God, the Greek word for word is "rema," which specifically means spoken word. We should be speaking God's word to ourselves. We should know God's word to be able to speak it to ourselves. We should be speaking God's word to each other in encouragement in God's family. You see, we defend ourselves using the weapon of knowing God's truth about himself and about Christ. We know who we are in him and we know that we have an enemy who is attacking us with lies. See, this is God's armor that's available to us. We have already put it on as we accepted Christ. And we are to continually wear it and daily remember that we have it on so that we can stand. See, we're not fighting against people. So we've got to stop seeing people as the enemy. Do you know that Jesus went to the cross for us while we were still sinners? Because he was able to see us. He knew we weren't the enemy. He knew he was not fighting a battle against us. It's why you could hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they do. Because people aren't the enemy. We can't battle with people. When I was a young, a young lad, um, I had quite a traumatic experience in my family where my mum left, um, had an affair left, and that story has played out a large part in my life from then on. As these things do affect you. But I'll tell you. The people part of it. Absolutely. People sinned. People got things wrong. But I have a fantastic relationship. With all of the people. Who were involved in that. Now. For, I'm now 45. I was 8 when it happened. For 37 years. Satan has taken that event and you tried to use that event to speak lies into my spirit and attack my identity and tell me who I am and tell me what I'm not and tell me what, that I'm not good enough and tell me that I'm not lovable. Nobody actually loves me. Nobody cares about me. I can't trust people. I can't let anybody close. You see... People were involved in the event. But the real damage that was done, the real harm that has been done, were the lies that Satan fired in, the darts that he threw, that stuck in there, that I allowed to start to to believe and turn these into belief systems, that were at odds. So how have I battled this? I've battled it by trying to replace it by the truth of what God has said about me and other people. Stopping seeing people as the enemy and starting to realize that I do have an enemy that would love to destroy me, would love to put me down, would love me to not live in everything that God has for me. Now maybe this all sounds scary to you, that we are under this constant spiritual attack. But I want to encourage you This is not like going to the movies where we're not quite sure about what happens at the end and who wins the battle. This battle has been won. The victory has been had. We are not trying to win the battle. We're trying to stand firm on the battlefield because the victory is won. Jesus won the victory. That is not even in doubt. So your you're, you're right standing with God is not at stake here. It's standing firm and standing strong on the battlefield. And I would like to actually change the analogy slightly and say, rather than us look at ourselves as with armor on as soldiers on the battlefield, I think we've got to look at ourselves as servants on the battlefield because we're here to serve the king. There was one soldier that fought this battle single-handedly on his own didn't need anyone else and that was Christ himself he's the only soldier on this battlefield and he is the only one that was needed and through his death on the cross he stormed hell and it is finished it's done the victory is over so this is a good news story this is not something to be feel down or feel concerned or worried about. We have everything we need. Everything we need. So Paul finishes this by saying, how do we do this? He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. The only way you will do this is if you totally believe and have faith that you have the truth in Jesus Christ, that you have a right standing with God and that you are at peace with God. So you have a connection that is available to you through prayer, through constantly going to Him, talking to Him, remembering who you are in God. And then he goes on to say this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. As a church foundation, pray for each other. Be alert for each other. Watch each other. If you're not sure how someone's doing, ask them and pray with them. Share with each other, be open with each other. Because this is about a standing firm standing strong. Let's not lose anyone and lose everything that God has for them and live in that freedom because we are struggling inside, because we're starting to, to have these arrows and these fears and these doubts come in. Let's look out for each other and let's look out for ourselves. Let's Read our scripture. Know our scripture. Speak it over ourselves. Speak it out if you have to. The discipline of speaking out scripture over your life is so powerful. So powerful. And if there are things where you, like I had, lies that have come in based upon life events and where you've got angry with people and you're still angry and bitter with people, then speak to someone. Talk to them about it. Let them minister you. Let them help you see that your enemy is not those people. You have an enemy, but you have a victor who has won the battle for you. And let's celebrate in that. Let's pray together. Father, I wanna I wanna thank you for the truth of the cross. Father, I want to thank you that you have given us this belt of truth about who Jesus is and everything that he has done for us. Father, we're not worthy of it. We don't deserve it. Yet you still chose to go to the cross on our behalf. Father, thank you that you saw past the people and that you were able to see the true enemy. Father, we want to thank you for defeating that enemy. We want to ask that you can help us stand in the strength, stand in the strength of your righteousness on our behalf, and stand firm on the fact that we are at peace with you, that we are at peace with God, and we can live from there. Father, we want to honor you and bless you and thank you that we can live in your freedom because of Jesus. In your name. Amen.